Today is the start of our Single Mom Homeschool CEO series. Now, I'm going to talk a little bit about it in the episode as well, but how this came about was I was in another Facebook group and a couple of single moms were saying, hey, I run businesses. Is it possible to think I could homeschool too? And I was like, heck yes, we have these amazing single moms in our homeschool CEO community. And this week I am bringing you their stories. So over the course of this week, rather than just releasing one episode per week, I'll be doing several, one per day, where I'll be interviewing women who are crushing it as business owners all while homeschooling. Now, each woman is totally different in how they became a single mom. They're different in how their homeschool works and as well as how they run their business. Now, my guest today is Sarah Walls, and she's a survivor of domestic violence, a homeschool mom of six, all while running her business that helps other homeschool moms build a self-sustaining business. What's amazing is her kiddos range from 16 all the way down to two. They include ADHD, autism, a gifted child, and one still in diapers. In today's episode, Sarah brought so much value and she inspired me more than she will ever know. And I'm excited for you to meet Sarah. So let's dive in. Welcome to the Homeschool CEO Podcast, the podcast dedicated to entrepreneurs who want to successfully homeschool their kids while running a profitable business. In this podcast, we'll reveal the truth of what it really looks like behind the scenes of an entrepreneur who homeschools and how to make it all work. If you're an entrepreneur who currently homeschools or you want to start, you are in the right place, my friend. With 16 years experience combining entrepreneurship with homeschooling, I'm your host, Jen Myers, and this is the Homeschool CEO Podcast. All right. I want to thank you so much today for being on the Homeschool CEO Podcast. So let's go ahead and have you introduce yourself today to our audience. Hi, I'm Sarah. I am a single parent here in Waterloo, Ontario, Canada. I have six children from the ages of two to 16. Uh, I have been homeschooling for about 14 years now. I have been working from home in one fashion or another for about 10. In the latest incarnation of my working from home, I started a business in 2015, and I have been successfully working from home and homeschooling since. Wow. Okay. First of all, that's amazing because... I didn't realize you were from Canada and we in homeschool CEO, I just had somebody say just the other day, like, can I homeschool in Canada? I'm like, absolutely you can. So, oh, I'm so excited to hear that. So for <laughs> all of my Canadians, we have, we have your people in our group, first of all. Okay. So that's fascinating, sir. So because we, this is homeschool CEO, we talk a little bit about your business and about homeschooling. We can because we are such a unique blend of both of them. And um, just so everybody knows, like this is part of our series for specifically for single moms because single moms are rock stars when it comes to owning a business and homeschooling. So this podcast is a little different than some of the other ones we've done because we're doing it around a really specific topic to talk to a really specific audience. So let's talk a little bit about what came first, homeschooling or entrepreneurship. Um, probably the homeschooling bit, although it was pretty quick on both. When um, my oldest was born, I was a single parent then, although I had gotten married in between and then gotten a divorce. So I'm back to being single parent. 
Uh, when my oldest was born, she was a December baby. And when she turned three and was going into her fourth year in, in Ontario, where I live, our cutoff for starting kindergarten is you have to be four by December 31st. So she would have been starting kindergarten at three and a half. She was this tiny little bundle of energy. And I just couldn't see it working. There was not the maturity. There wasn't the ability. I mean, I'd already gotten um, told by our pediatricians that she would be a really good candidate for ADHD. So we were working through that. And there was just a few things that I was just like, there's no way. There's, there's no way this is going to be successful. So I thought, I'll just keep her home. And, you know, we'll just start and she'll be a year later. Except that shortly after she turned four, because I'd been working on her letters and her numbers, she started reading. And I'm like, oh, okay then. Well, maybe we'll just do another year and she'll be ready and good and ready for, for grade one. And by the time she was ready for grade one, I was pregnant or I'd actually had my next child. And I just was like, it's too much work to try to do this. We had just moved. We'd had a whole bunch of, I'd gotten married and, and we'd had another baby and it was just too much work. And then I had four babies in a row wow. in five years. And somebody was told me like, why don't you just put your oldest in school? And I looked at them and I remember saying this out loud just because the, the look on their face was like, you want me to dress four babies in a Canadian winter twice a day to put one child on and off a school bus. And you think this will make my life easier. Are you crazy? And it just kind of went from there. <laughs> so, you know, 10 years later, my marriage had ended and I was a single parent and I had five young children at home. And I was like, there's, <laughs> there's no way that Putting them in school will be good for their mental health. We'll just stay home, have that stability, have that normalcy while we're adjusting. Here we are five years after that, and we're still homeschooling. We're loving it, and it's just working. Wow. Okay. So there's so much to unpack right there. That That is amazing. So I, can I say I just fell into it? It was like just one yeah. choice after another, and then you know, now we're thriving and we're loving it. And it's, it's e like, honestly, I tell people I homeschool because I'm lazy. It's just easier. Yes. Oh my goodness. Okay. So our single moms need to hear that it is easier. It's easier than packing all those babies up to get one kid on and off the school bus or to sit in the carpool line because yeah. you're right, because it's at your convenience and not the it school is. systems. Oh. That is so powerful. Okay. So let's talk about when you became a single mom the second time around. So now you've got six kids. Um, there you've got a bunch a house full of littles. So what did that year look like for you? Like when you're transitioning to okay, you have this business, you have these kids. What like let's talk about the practical side of that. What did that look like for you? The the biggest piece is. As a single parent, for me, the biggest piece is childcare, right? It's really tough to try to bring in an income when you don't have a reliable source of childcare. That's one of the reasons why I started my business is because when I had, because when my marriage ended, I had four under five. Wow. And so for day, I just was looking at it logistically and I was looking at it financially and I'm thinking, there's no way I could get a job 
that would pay for daycare, let alone anything else. There's no point. There was just no point. So I was looking at my skills and I was looking at what I had available. And I'd been working from home in with various jobs for you know a few years. And I kind of knew how that market worked. I'm like, I'm just going to work for myself. I'm going to do it for myself. And within six months, I had, you know, after studying and prepping, I had my first client um, and, you know, it kind of grew from there. I'm still figuring out the bits and pieces and I'm still putting in processes because, you know, as a mom with lots of kids, I don't have the time available to me that some entrepreneurs do. So my business grows a little bit slower than what other people would have. But that, I'm okay with that because I'm not looking for a six-figure income. I'm looking to pay the bills. But the biggest piece is, is managing your time and, and finding the childcare. Yes. That, and you know what, that's what I always tell people too. Like it's a journey and it's your journey and you are not in a competition, not with your business, not with your homeschooling. Everybody looks different. That's why I love the homeschool CEO community because we are all so different and we celebrate that. So do you have for childcare? Do you have somebody that comes into your home to help with the littles while you work, or are you just working while they're sleeping? Or how do you manage that? That's a lot of it. How it was. I mean, for the first year of my business, um, the funny thing is, is I was still nursing, right? I was still breastfeeding. So what I would do often do is I would put, I would work at nap time because I still had sleepers, and so I would occupy my older one with either school or a book because she loved reading. So it was kind of easy. And then I put everybody down for a nap and I'd get two hours or so to, you know, work on my blog or work on my business. And then we'd all, you know, and everybody would get up and I would assembly line everything because, you know, if one person needed changed, everybody got changed. Like it was just, everything was assembly line. Everything was, you know, you know, everything was done at pretty much at the same time. We did everything as a group. Um, and then after bedtime, everybody would go down. And the one I was nursing would have a midnight feeding. So between bedtime at eight o'clock and midnight, I would be working. So it was a four hour stretch. I would, you know, work my butt off and then I would have my midnight feeding and then I would go to bed and I'd be up at seven o'clock in the morning to start it all over again. So, you know, I, I've lived for the last five years on probably minimal sleep, but you know, there, there's that piece you, you give up, you sacrifice. I haven't watched a television series from one, like, you know, I haven't been wa- binge watched anything. I don't have, honestly, I haven't watched television for any kind of consistent basis in years. For a while there, I even gave up reading for, for pleasure until I realized that was something I needed to do for my mental health. But I don't do a whole lot outside of making sure my kids are taken care of and working. Like, I don't date because I don't have time for it. Right. I don't. Um, like I'm not going shopping for the fun. Fre- my friends, like I do have a social life, but my friends know that they have to give me notice because I can't just pop the kids into the car and go to the park. It, that doesn't happen. I have clients. I have, I have a job. Like I do have a business to run. So it, it is that everything has to be planned. Everything has to be booked ahead of time and, and you give up a lot, but it's worth it because I get to stay home. I get to see every first I get to, you know, I don't miss a whole lot with my kids. Oh, that is so powerful. And if 
I know right now you're in the trenches, but just like 20 years from now, you're going to look back and your kids are going to be like, mom, you are such a badass. Sorry if there's little ones, but um, like think of the example that you're setting for your kids to be like, no, this is what I'm going after. So was during the breakup of your marriage, and if this is too personal, like you, we can totally cut this part out, but was there a time where you're like, I just don't know if I could homeschool all these kids and keep running my business? Was that ever a factor or were you always just like, yeah, I can do this. I'll figure it out. Well, for one, the business, the the current business didn't really happen until about a year after my marriage, like the dust had settled and the divorce was final. And, okay. and, and although the breakup stuff had pretty much settled, yeah. um, my marriage ended in 2013, but the divorce wasn't final until the end of 2014. So it was about 18 months from, of separation. And it was during that my marriage was difficult. I'll put it that way. Um, and I go into the full story on my blog. So if you're really curious, feel free to go check that out. Um, but let's just say there was violence involved. There was, um, some really hard stuff that kind of happened. And when it finally ended, it was such a relief. It was such a huge, just feeling of weight being lifted. And my life got so much easier, so much easier that the thought of not being able to homeschool never even crossed my mind because life in general was just so much easier. It was actually harder while married than to try to do it as as a single parent. So. Wow. What a great perspective. So I'm sure all of my audience right now is going, okay, well, what, what do you do? Like, tell me about your business. How do, like, who do you serve? Um, tell me a little bit more about that. All right. So my business is, I named it Zara Support and it's basically a support agency for other moms, specifically who were in my position, but may not have had the skills or the knowledge to start a business. I'm fortunate. I went to college for business admin. I covered accounting and marketing and, and knowing computers. And um, one of my first relationships, I dated a computer engineer. So I learned a ton about how coding works and how websites work and all of those technical things. And so what I do is I provide the technical support for setting up websites, for maintaining your website, for making the pieces of your business connect together. So connecting your email marketing to your website, connecting your social media. And as that has grown, I've also gone into the marketing side of things. So developing a brand because that your website has to be branded. So we pack in, you know, because a lot of my clients will come to me and like, I know I need a website. And I'm like, well, what do you want it to look like? And they're like, I don't know. So we go into that branding piece and we go into, you know, what are, what are your problems are you solving? And then we go into, okay, well, this has to connect to your email. And they're like, why do I have to email? And we go into what email marketing is for and how that works. And that's all kind of part of the package. I help people basically get started and, and move on and give the, kind of shorten the learning curve for them. Okay. That that is amazing. Like you have to just wake up every day and be so inspired to help these women because you're right. Because if they don't have 
somebody to guide them and to mentor them out of it, they're just going to keep going back because they don't have a way to stand on their own two feet. Going through this process, going through that journey, it's hard. It's really hard. It's probably one of the hardest things you'll ever do. But at the end, it's worth it. It really is worth it because a hard marriage is trapping. It's, it feels oppressive. It feels um, like you're tying and, and you're limited. And when you relieve that stress, when you relieve that pressure, even though it's not what you wanted in the first place, because you got married for a reason, there's all those emotional feelings and there's that dream that you had of what you could have built together that you're having to give up. And that was the hardest part for me is I knew what we could have had if only, if only, but it wasn't going to happen and you can't control other people and you can't make their choices for them and it's hard. But on the other side, there's something different and you can have a new dream and you can have a new vision and you can have a life that may not be what you thought you wanted but will be just as good, maybe even better because there's something like there, there's, it's a different, it's completely different. You can't compare the two. It's completely different. And it can be now something that you create because now there's, there's only you. There's no, like people ask me all the time, well, how do you do everything? And I'm like, I don't have a partner that I have to sit down and watch movies with. I don't have someone that I mean, all the decisions are mine. I don't have someone that is going to criticize me or talk me, you know, like they might be supportive, but they might not. They might have questions and there's something to be said for teamwork, but I can get an accountability partner for my business if I want, but I'm not going to have someone I live with that's going to be resentful of the time I'm spending on my business. I'm not going to have that obligation that goes into making a relationship work. And just the sheer logistics of making a relationship work. I mean, you have to spend time with them to make a relationship work. And that's time I don't have to spend there that I can spend now on my business. Oh, that is so good because you're right. Um, because right now, you know, I know Sarah and I talked a little bit before uh, we got on the podcast. You know, this podcast was really, the series was created because of being in another Facebook group, Boss Moms, and some single moms who are unexpectedly crisis schooling. So they have their kids home with them. And now they're wondering, can I do this? Can I do this in the fall? Is this even possible? And Sarah, I think you just hit the nail on the head. Relationships take time. And when you, when you don't have to designate all of that time to like investing and not that that's bad because lots of our moms are Mary, but when you don't have to invest that time, you really do have more time to spend on your business, more time to spend on your home, on homeschooling. Like you have, yeah, it's a lot because I'm just thinking if you, yeah, if you just take that part away, you just have so much more time to designate without, without you having to carry that heavy burden of somebody else being resentful for you not spending the time with them. There's also the, the expectations that we carry as wives and mothers, right? When you're in a relationship, when you're in a marriage, you have this unspoken expectation that your partner is going to be your partner. They're going to be there to pick up a share of the load. 
And oftentimes in hard marriages and difficult marriages and marriages that aren't working the way they're supposed to, that doesn't happen. So you carry that, uh, that own expectation that's constantly frustrated. And I found that that was one of the biggest pieces that release of that frustration that I no longer had someone that I thought I should be able to count on that wasn't reliable, that wasn't someone I could count on. And now I wasn't expecting anybody to do it. So it was, if it was going to get done, it was going to be me and I could choose when and how it was going to be done. And I didn't have to wait for someone or bug someone or, you know, wish I hadn't asked them to do it because they made more work for me rather than being helpful. And I just didn't have that. And I didn't have that frustration that sapped my energy, that sapped my mental health. It was just gone. And that was, that was part of the relief. Oh, that is so powerful. Now, I also want to touch on something because I know a lot of our moms, whether they're single moms or married. Uh, so you have some kids with some special needs, correct? Yes. I do. Okay. Yeah. So let's talk about the special needs that you deal with. So while you're running this amazing business and you're homeschooling, you're dealing with this other element that I know a lot of I our have- moms, it just adds a little bit extra layer of complexity. Just a little bit extra. Yeah. It's just a little bit extra, you know, just because, because I, I, you know, needed an extra challenge, obviously. Right. I just needed a little extra. So my oldest, she's 16 now. Um, she was, from very, very early on, showed all the classic signs of ADHD. Um, in fact, my pediatrician pulled me aside at a, her two-year well baby checkup and said, you know, she's ADHD, right? Wow. And I go, wait, what? <laughs> and she's like, he's like, yeah, we can't diagnose her till she's six, but she shows all the signs. Here's what to look for. Here's how to manage. In Ontario, we don't officially diagnose until age six. So at six and a half, I put her, I took her to her developmental pediatrician. I got the referral and you know, a couple hours later and lots of forms later, we got our diagnosis that, yep, she's textbook. We could use her as a case study for medical students. I'm like, great. Um, so we started medication with her and it has been a lifesaver, life, life saver, like honestly. Um, so now she's 16. She's learning her coping. You know, she's learned coping skills. She's fairly independent. Um, we have you know, all the challenges that go into ADHD, we have the physical challenges and the mental challenges and the time management issues and everything. Um, My second daughter, who is 12 this year, um, she, when she was born, we noticed a problem at around 18 months when she wasn't talking. Like there was just no meaningful words and it was a long journey, but at At age seven, we got a diagnosis of a disability. And around age eight, we got her diagnosis of autistic. It took forever because honestly, I was told along the way that girls couldn't be autistic. That, I mean, there was a whole bunch of crap that had to go through. But uh, we've got her diagnosis. And so she is 12. She is a joy. She is delightful, but she has some challenging behaviors and as we go into puberty I'm terrified <laughs> so we'll go into we won't go into that that'll, that'll take make your podcast be like two hours long but we could go into that um but it, you know it it does add an extra where I have to manage the moods we have a lot of sensory quirks um we have a lot of of you know one person 
and all my kids have sensory quirks, just two that are the actual diagnosis, but all of them have these little sensory quirks. So it's always managing, um, you know, one person needs noise canceling headphones and another person needs to make noise to focus. And one of my kids needs to chew on something to be able to focus because she's chewing holes in her clothes. And, and another one needs to have weighted on, you know, weights on her legs to be able to feel comfortable. And, you know, some kids are like, I don't want to be touched right now. And other kids are like, I want hugs. And, you know, we, we get a, we get the whole nine yards. And I forgot to mention my third child, just because we have to have extra, um, turns out that I suspect, I haven't gotten an official diagnosis, but I suspect that she's on the gifted side of things. Uh, and the reason I suspect this is because she learned to read between three and four and she figured out how to multiply on her own at five and she's doing algebra now when she's 10. So <laughs> we've got lots of, you know, just that innate curiosity and that quickness and that, you know, try to keep up with that. And it's like, whoa. So there, I've got I've got the whole nine yards. I've got children who are developmentally delayed, and I've got children who are sensorily, you know, overstimulated or understimulated, and I've got people who want to push on way past where, you know, their peers would be, and it's crazy, but chaotic, but you know, it's still fun. Absolutely. Okay. So, how are you homeschooling this broad spectrum of giftedness? autism, ADHD, and everything in between, like what, what does your actual homeschooling schedule look like? What does my actual homeschool look like? Okay. You would think that when I had four and five years that I could homeschool them as a block, right? Like they would all be close in age and ability. No, no, <laughs> no. Because like I said, my, the, the oldest of that four of that block before they're 18 months apart each. So currently they are seven, eight, 10, and 12. Um, so my seven-year-old seems to be pretty typical. My eight-year-old seems to be pretty typical. My 10-year-old is definitely advanced and my 12-year-old is definitely delayed. And I learned really quickly that I had to individualize everything because trying to do anything and then individualize was just going to cause more work. So I piecemeal it. I don't do an all-in-one. We, I focus on independence first. So my first job is to get them as in, learning independently as possible, as quickly as possible. So from preschool to grade one, I'm really, really focusing on being able to read and being able to follow instructions and being able to go, you know, work on those fine motor skills, write, understand, and, you know, to be able to understand what's being asked for. So um, reading is, is a huge, huge, huge push. So we don't do a lot of science. We don't do a lot of arts. We do phonics. We do whole words. We do word families. We do reading, reading, reading. Um, after about grade one, two, we start adding in math skills and history and, and geography and science and all of that fun stuff. Um, I have girls. We love crafting. We do a lot of lap books. Lap books I love because they make for nice, neat little packages of content in nice, neat little crafting where the writing's kept to a minimum, but they still have to formulate answers. They can, even my younger ones can draw pictures rather than write words. They can copy and paste. You can use the same lap book for seven as you do for 12, like you can. 
they are accessible even for a special needs child and for a gifted child. Like, so I'd use a lot, a lot of that. And at the end, they make a nice, neat little package that you can put on a shelf and show off later. Awesome. So we do that. We do lap booking for a lot of our content for history, geography, science. Um, and then I do uh, simple work, uh, workbook, textbook style for um, the skill topics like uh, math and language arts. You know, I, I used to do lap books, but I am not crafty. So it was not a good fit for me, but I have many. Try notebooking. That's what somebody else told me to, to do notebooking. Now my youngest is going to be 16 and he's our only one left homeschooling, but, um, but yeah, because notebooking back then it wasn't like a thing quite yet. It was just lap book, um, lap books. Now notebooking is a huge thing now. There's a lot more writing to it, but you can do a lot of pictures. One of the things I like about both notebooking and lap booking is you can take pictures and add them too. So if you do a bigger experiment, take pictures, print them off and add them to your lap book as a record of learning. Go to a, on a field trip, take pictures, turn them off and just add them to it. So there's lots of room for expansion. I've actually posted a few of the, I guess, expanded unit studies that we do on on topics on my blog. I list out my books. We do documentaries. We do podcasts. We do online games. We do field trips and all the, the lap books that I've used on there. So I have those for a lot of the history topics that we've covered and now I'm working on putting up the science. That's amazing. And we'll link all of those in the show notes so that people can find you on your blog and see what you're doing because this is fascinating. Okay. So one of the other questions I have, and we went through this because we're a blended family now. And so our oldest ones we had custody of from the time they've been itty bitty. uh, And so we had to deal with the ex. So, So how do you do that from a homeschooling standpoint? Do you, do, I mean, are they supportive of it? Do, is the court involved? Like, because I know that there are single moms that are like, I just don't know if I can do this. Like, what does that look like for you? It's, that's a, it's a really tricky question because not everybody is going to be the same. Um, my ex was a condition of dating, right? Because remember I was homeschooling before I met him. And so it was a condition of dating that he had to be supportive of homeschooling. And so he, I, when we met and when we dated, he was like, okay, I've never heard of this, but this looks cool. And, you know, since I homeschooled throughout our marriage, he could see the benefits, right? Um, the other thing is, I think for him, for, for my ex, is there's this element of control, he knows that I'm not going to be dating and I'm not going anywhere because I'm at home homeschooling our children, right? So he likes that part that he knows, even though we're not together, even though we're not in any kind of relationship, he knows where basically I am and what I'm doing every day, right? right? So, you know, that I'm like, I don't care because you can think what you like. And if that lets me continue homeschooling, great, no problem. Um, The other thing is that legally, when we, when I filed for divorce, because I'm the one who filed for it, um, and I'm the one who left. And when I filed for divorce, one of the things I made sure I put on there is I wanted sole legal custody of my children. I was willing to give out just about anything else. I wanted that sole legal custody. And given the fact of um, what our relationship was like, 
um, he'd actually been charged and convicted of assault. So that really looked bad to the courts. And so being able to, I didn't even have to say that. He just knew. He just knew that fighting me on that was not going to happen. Uh, The other piece that I think that really, really helped me is that financially, neither of us were all that well off and I was able to get legal aid assistance. He was not. So I had a lawyer and he couldn't afford it. (laughs) And that was just a huge lucky break for me because there are some guys out there and I've worked with other single moms who are wanting to homeschool and whose exes were similar in that they had that need to control and they had that need to lock it down and and hurt their partner through their kids. And it's a whole lot of a different story. The, The biggest part that I can say that I've told people is that you pick what your best case scenario is going through the divorce. You pick your best case. You pick what you absolutely can't live without and what you absolutely have to have. And you try to get something in between. And under no circumstances, under no circumstances, once you are separated, do you react emotionally to him, in front of him. You need to cut off emotional connection right away because everything that you react emotionally to is what he will push on. Is Those are the buttons that they'll push. Um, if you're fortunate to be in a, in a you know, situation where you can mutually end the relationship and talk things through, great. But even then, make sure if you're wanting to homeschool long term that you get that final decision making power or the educational decision making because you never know what could happen down the road. I know of a few moms who tried going for the joint and sharing that and regretted it years later when their part their former partner met someone else and all of a sudden decided they didn't want to anymore. And now they're having to go back to court and it's heartrending and it's heartbreaking and it's, it's so hard on the kids. So if you can go for the stability right away, even if, if it might take a little bit longer, might give a harder fight, do that because you'll, you won't regret it later on. Oh, that is so wise. I'm telling you, this is, Starting this series with you, you have no idea like how everything is segmented out over this next week, because literally you are the best out of everybody I'm interviewing. You are the best starting point. When you hear this, you're going to be like, oh my goodness, how all of this was orchestrated is going to be so beautiful. So I'm glad to start you (laughs) off on a good note. So if you're (laughs) listening to this, I'm going to tell everybody, listen to these in order because they are going to be so powerful as we build this. So Sarah, if you were talking right now to, we have, you know, some of these women are in a marriage where they're going, uh, can, can I leave? And can I do this on my own? And they're really concerned. Other ones are already a single mom already running a business, but they haven't homeschooled yet. And so they're trying to figure out, can I homeschool it? Can I add this extra element into my life? What would you say to these moms as they're like sitting there right now, especially where we are looking ahead to like the fall, trying to figure out, can I really do this? Like, what would you say to encourage them? Can you do it? Yeah, you can. Be prepared to make changes. Because that's, I think, one of the biggest mental hurdles is you have to be prepared to basically blow up your life and 
figure out how to make the pieces fit in a brand new way. Um, if you are already homeschooling and looking to transition to single parenting and possibly running a business, the homeschooling piece will be your stability because that's the part that's going to stay the same while the rest of your life is in chaos. So if you can hold on to that, realize that this is the normalcy and this is what you can build your life around, you'll, you'll find that things will become easier because you're going to have that stable routine and you can fit everything else around that while you're figuring out how the custody and the visitation, the access and you know, the, the financial changes and starting the business and all the time management changes, the homeschooling piece can stay the same. And that's going to be the stability part. If you are a single parent and you have that business and you know how it runs and you're wanting to add in the homeschooling piece, do it step by step, bring the kids home, but don't start actively homeschooling. Just bring them home, get used to having them home, get them used to being home. Get everybody used to being a family in the same space 24 hours a day. I mean, crisis schooling is one thing. Everybody had to adjust to that anyways. But crisis schooling where the school is being brought to you, where you have this idea that it's only temporary, is a little different mindset than bringing them home and having it permanent. So when you bring them home, sit with that for a while, just that they're home. And you're managing your business around the fact that they're home. Establish your routines for, you know, house rules and your chores and who's doing what and who can do what and how much screen time you're comfortable with and how much outdoor time that they can have or should be having and all the snacks, the 500 and so snacks every day. Get used to that. Then start thinking about what kind of homeschooling lifestyle you want. Do your research, you know, and walk through the steps of starting your homeschool and, you know, shopping and meeting with other homeschoolers and all of that. But just get used to having them home, right? And for both, be prepared to blow your life up. It's not going to look the same. It's going to be better, at least I think so, but it's not going to be the same. And if you try to hold on to keeping it the same or as close to the same as possible, you're going to be frustrated and you're probably going to give up. And then you'll miss out on something that could be incredibly beautiful. Oh, so, so, so powerful. Let's talk about finances. As a homeschool single mom, we think that homeschooling is going to be so much more expensive than free public school or vice versa. And we have all of these preconceived notions so Sarah, I want you to share with us what did that look like for your oldest? Because she started public school just a couple of years ago because of the situation. But I'll let you go ahead and explain a little bit more about that because I think we need to see all sides of this perspective. Sure. Uh, so um, when my daughter turned 14 or in her 14th year, I started her in public high school uh, for access to the things that I couldn't afford. She's an artist, and so I wanted her to have access to the tools and the daily art instruction. And the local high school to us had been recently donated a Google Lab for tech and design. So it was upgraded, and you know they have 3D printing, and they have kilns and block part printing, and like everything. It's fantastic. So she's an honor roll student. But starting her for school, the very first day, by the time we got the new shoes, 
and the, the gym shoes and the school supplies and the backpack and, you know, the extra clothes that we had to have for school and the extra stuff for lunches that I wouldn't have to have bought and the extra materials and everything. I spent $500 putting my child in school. Recently, I placed um, orders for my kids' homeschool curriculum for next year. You have to remember, I'm homeschooling five kids next year. My total cost for all five kids for next year will be about $800. Wow. You see the difference here? <laughs> I can homeschool five children <laughs> for about the same that it costs me to put one child in school every year. So my second year of putting this child in school wasn't $500 because we could reuse some things. Like I didn't have to buy the, the Tupperware stuff anymore. But right. it was still $300. Right. Because I still had to buy shoes. And I like. I still had to buy the gym clothes and the activity yeah. fees and the, like the special school fees that were added on. I was writing another check every day or going on their school website to pay another fee. And I'm like, I can't afford to put my kids in school. It costs too much. I can homeschool them cheaper. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. And especially for my single moms who have younger ones, you don't realize the older they get, the more expensive this free education becomes. Oh my word. When like I was not prepared for the hundreds of dollars in school fees. Like so yeah. much for this being free. Yeah. The hundreds of dollars that weren't optional. Like they're not right. optional. You can't opt out of school pictures because they need them for the student ID card. Yeah, you can't opt out of the activity fees for gym class because that's required. You can't opt out of getting their gym clothes because you have to get a new set every year. And I mean, it's you have to get the school issued ones, and it's thirty five dollars for a single pair of shorts. And uh, I'm going, yes. what? And what am I going to use them for afterwards? Like, what do I use them for? Nothing. Right? It's a single. It gets yeah. it's worn one year, and what do I do with it? I don't know. But I can't afford to put my kids in school. I mean, could you imagine if I'm paying $300 per kid? Like, I don't have $1,500 to put kids in school. I don't. I, oh, you know, I'm, I hear I'm you. buying homeschool curriculum at, at $400 here and $400 there, but I can spread yeah. that out. I can budget for that. Well, and you I can, can reuse buy my it. school supplies. I yeah. can reuse it from year to year. I mean, I have spent as much as $1,500 on homeschool curriculum, but that covered five children, right? right? That covers five children. And it covered five children, but half of that is spread out over four kids. Yes. Right? So I might spend $50 on a textbook, but I'm going to use it four times. Yes. Right? So my my cost per kid then breaks down to like 10 bucks a kid. I can do that. I can do <laughs> 10 bucks a kid. Yes. I can't do $300 per kid. Um, yes. Oh, I understand. My number three, he went, he was a really gifted basketball player. And in order where we lived in order to play on the local basketball team, you had to attend classes. And so he tried out public school and we ran through that same thing. I was like, holy crap, I pay all of this money in taxes that is supposed to provide for this free education, but yet they nickel and dime you. So I found I spent more time, more money, more energy. And I simply didn't have that at that. I mean, I, I did, I came up with it obviously just like you did for your daughter, because that's what yep. was best in that situation. 
But I think when parents are thinking about coming out of traditional schooling, they think, oh, homeschooling will be so much more money and so much more time. (laughs) And I think that is fascinating that you found what I did. It's the exact opposite of what we think. So much more. Like, and I mean, I'm not even including the amount of replacement supplies that we had to get over the year. And just the, like, I joke, it's 500 snacks a day when they're, they're at home, but it's 500 snacks that I'm buying apples in bulk, right? Yeah. I'm buying, like, I'm buying a bunch of carrots. I'm not, like, I'm buying granola bars in bulk, right? right. And it lasts a whole lot longer than if I had to send prepackaged lunch food every day. Do you know how pricey that prepackaged lunch food gets? Plus, try buying school lunches. I mean, mm-hmm. I think we might have qualified for the free lunch programs, but I don't know because I work from, you know, I, I have a level of income now, so I don't know that I would have. And right. I mean, 10 bucks a lunch, but that's 50 bucks a week. Right. It's crazy. And the food doesn't even fill them up. The kids throw half of the meal away anyway, because they don't like it in general. Wow. Okay. Thank you for sharing that because it's such a paradigm shift. Yeah. It's home coming home to homeschool is such a lifestyle change that it can be really scary. It can feel really, really challenging. And I always say it takes a new homeschooler about three years, three years to find your groove. So true. Right. But if you can stick it through for the first year, the next year will be easier. And by the time year three hit, you're going to feel like you've got a handle on this. But that first year is going to be scary as all get out. Right. Because it's a life change. Yeah. But it's the same kind of scary that the first year of bringing your baby home from the hospital is. It's the same kind of scary, right? When you become a brand new parent, that brand new baby grows and learns and like it's, you know, midnight feedings and no sleep and the grossest stuff coming out of them on both ends, like whatever, right? It's a scary, scary year. But you get through that year and, and it gets you know, it's a different kind of work, but it gets a little bit easier. You get a little more confident. You get a little bit more like, you know what you're doing. I will tell you this. I have taught for, you know, five children to read now. I got one more to go. I got one more to potty train too. And I will tell you, potty training is harder than teaching a kid to read. Oh, so true. If you can teach your kid to walk and talk and use the bathroom and feed themselves decently well and get dressed and not have their shoes on the wrong feet, you can teach your child to read and you can definitely teach them to add and subtract because it's a heck of a whole lot easier. So, so true. Well, again, I want to thank you. You have just brought so much value to this conversation. And I know you are going to inspire so many women um, to be able to run their business and homeschool. You have been such a blessing to us. Thank you so much. Thank you. You know, when I started the Homeschool CEO, I always knew that it would be a podcast that showcased other homeschool CEOs. And today just reminded me of how important it is that I take the time to really showcase other women who are just killing it at business and homeschooling because they really are the rock stars. So can we all just agree on one thing? Sarah is amazing. She has shown us by her own example of what is possible when you make a decision to thrive and not just survive. 
I believe one day her kids will grow up and they will look back and they will thank her for everything she has done to courageously lead them and the example that she has set as a businesswoman and a homeschooling mom. Now, my hope for you, my friend, is that either if you are a current single mom who's an entrepreneur, if you're thinking about homeschooling and wondering if it's possible, please know that it is 100% possible. And like Sarah said, you know, you may have to give up some things, but it is so worth it. And if you are currently a married homeschool CEO, and so you're homeschooling and you have a business, and maybe you're considering leaving, but you're afraid that you can't do it all and homeschool as a single mom, please come connect with us at the Homeschool CEO. Be inspired. Connect with these other women who have gone before you. Let them be your strength, your example. Like Our community is so loving and giving, and I am so proud of the community that we have built here on Facebook. And I just want to thank you again for listening and be sure to tune in tomorrow for the next episode in our Single Mom Homeschool CEO series. See you then. Hey friend, I just want to say thank you so much for tuning in today. If you loved what you heard, please be sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. I really appreciate it. And for more information on connecting with other homeschool CEOs just like you, be sure to check out our website at www.homeschoolceo.com. And as always, Team Homeschool CEO, you ladies inspire me. Thank you for always showing others what is possible. You guys are awesome. See you next week.